We're back to the Neil Haley Show in the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome to the program Jason Brown from Netflix, Last Chance You. Jason, thanks for calling. How are you, man? Good. How are you? Uh, fantastic. So let's kind of go, basically, Jason, back to the story. Did you always want to be a football coach growing up? No, I didn't know what I was going to be, man. Shit, until uh, probably uh, a couple weeks ago, to be honest. No, I'm just kidding. Uh you know, I grew up as a football player, man. I, I was a, I was going to be a player. Um, and I love playing football, so I never, in my wildest dreams, imagined I'd be a coach or wanted to be a coach. Uh, I used to hate coaches. Um, you know, I even though they've been mentors to me and and in, uh, in the process of growing up and turning a boy into a man, uh, I hated them. You know what I mean? And I just uh, used to be uh, rebellious and standoffish and everything I hate hate now uh, I was so you know oh, I, uh, you don't you don't want your players to hear playing. this Jason you don't want to hear yeah. players to hear oh, this nah. uh, they you know, know. I, I used to tell them man <laughs> I would tell them but uh don't be like me man shit but you know I uh you know I said I played and it, and it ran its course and, and you know I lost the love of playing one one afternoon um and, you know, I said, you know, it's, it's political and I'm not into it. And uh, I literally lost the love of playing as I was working out one day, getting ready to go back to like my third year of playing professional football. And I said, you know what, I'm done. And uh, I think I knew right then I wanted to be a coach. So so we have to take you back then. You're taking me too far too quickly, especially for a radio interview and a magazine interview. Let's take you back <laughs> specifically enough, Jason. <laughs> You're like, man, I'm doing an interview yeah. on Friday. But, hey, you know, it's great, a great promotion, again, for the Believe podcast. And, we, we again, we love Braun. Sure. We love Braun. He's the best. But let's get let's just jump back, you know, particularly. So you did play professional football. So I'm going more of a just learning about who you are. So you were uh, sure. an unbelievable top athlete uh, growing up then. So you always wanted to be an NFL player then, it sounds like. In your dreams. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 Kind Definitely. Of, I wanted to play football. You know what I mean? So how did you know that you're going to you are good enough to play professionally? What was that point where you say, wow, you know what? I have a good shot. What year was mm. yeah. yeah. You know, I was a late bloomer in high school. So I backed up the leading pass in California state history for a long time. And his dad was our head coach. <laughs> so I backed him up and I ended up getting my shot my senior year. And then uh I got a few scholarship offers after that season and then ended up being a knucklehead and kinda started my story and ended up having to go the junior college route. And so you know, my book, Hate Me Now, Love Me Later, kind of talks about the whole process of my life. And uh, I went down that path of junior college and, and uh, went the long struggle way and ended up going, uh, signing a scholarship to the University of New Mexico um, back in 98. And then uh, got there and found out I didn't have any Division One clock. So I ended up going, in essence, un, you know, to a Division Two um sight unseen to a to a coach who coached Peyton Manning at Tennessee and he was the head coach and at a school called Fort Hay State in, in Kansas and uh I took me and my daughter and I drove across the country to Kansas and the rest is history I played two years of division two football and uh broke a lot of the school records in just a two-year span and and uh ended up getting some free agent shots and and uh went over play overseas and played arena football and did all the had all the opportunities uh, 
you know, um, people saw that I had a quick release, strong arm, and, and I was big enough to, to get done, and, and people liked me and, and uh, gave me a few shots. And so um had a cup of tea and earned a couple paychecks. And so, uh, you know, I didn't really know I was going to be a professional player until I started getting some NFL interest uh, at practice. And that kind of reminds me of a story of a, one of my good friends, Darnell Dinkins, that played and ended up a Super Bowl champion, but he got discovered in the Arena League. So, Jason, was it kind of like a kind of story like that where you were in the Arena League and then just happened that a scout saw you? No, they saw me in college, brother. I got, really? I got, I, got a, I was a free agent out of college, yeah. So you did the so arena. So, so you went to the arena. You played in the arena league first and then the NFL, or how did that work? Nope, I played in the NFL first and then arena. Oh, wow. So okay, okay. I got cut Got cut a few different times and then uh, and then played different places. NFL Europe, arena league. You know, that's what happens when you get cut and you move around and you play in these other venues and other, other, other uh, levels and leagues. Uh, obviously, NFL Europe existed then. And so did the Arena League. So now those both gone. But there were some avenues there um, back in, in the day. All right, Jason. So don't mind me going back because I'm trying to write an article while <laughs> talking to you on the radio. We'd be like, okay, let's bullshit about something else. Sure. But th- that's not how it works and, and, and on my radio show. And I'm saying the S word. I'm really tired. I've just about my seventh interview today. Celebrities, everybody. You're yeah. a celebrity in that. And we'll have to ask that question that you ever thought that you get back in the limelight after – you know, the whole NFL and Europe and all those different things. So when you finally bloomed as a player, was it this thing that you said, oh, my gosh, this is just something I love to do? Because you talked about you finally walked away professionally. So did you always, did you love this sport or was it just something you did? Because kind of looking at your mentality, you said you didn't really like listening to coaches. Why did you play the game? Uh, No, I love football growing up. I love the sport. Um, and I love playing and, and, uh, you know, it was something that I, I always envisioned playing in the NFL and making millions of dollars and being this guy. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of childhood kids that love playing professional sports. And, you know, I chose football. I wanted to play football. And, uh, so no, I loved it as a kid. I loved it growing up. And, uh, and I just, uh, when I got into it and got into high school and started getting some discipline and structure and understanding what it took, you know, I fought it for a while, being an immature um, young kid. And so I fought that and then realized that, you know, these people are here to get you where you couldn't get yourself. And that's the true definition of a coach, and that's what I use to this day and say to this day. And um, that's just kind of how it evolved. So so, so as the dog chimes in, uh, you, so you love the, love the sport of football. What made you – love it the most give me that kind of story of what Mm. what what was it the crowd was it the competition what was it it was the it was the competition you know the truth be told um i saw a baby picture when i was little i was wearing a jersey uh number 12 jersey and uh i said shoot i think uh i can play this sport and i want to wear a jersey and i want to be uh I want to be famous. I want to be this guy that people look up to and I can help other people. And so, you know, that was the, uh, that was the avenue that I took um, chasing the dream of playing football. And that's what got me to kind of love the football, but I never really, no person, no in particular 
point in time made me love it. I just just wanted to play football, just like Tiger loved golf. I mean, there's really not a uh, uh, a particular uh, button that pushed that I pushed or that pushed me to do it. I just uh, I said, you know, I think this is a sport I want to play and, and uh, see me see myself doing. So I, I chose it. But see, that's great. That's great when you talk about you love the sport for the fame. Let's take you to that fame. You said you weren't a top player. You were a late bloomer. But when you started to gain success, how did you live with that success in high school as a senior? Where you were not the big star, then you became a, a star as a senior. How did you deal with that? And this is an interesting thing because, again, some people that are late bloomers, did you – did you have an ego because of it? How did you deal with your friends, family, and also fans in high school as a senior? Yeah, yeah. no, I never had an ego about it. Um, you know, I was still the same guy, man. I, I, I've been that way as a player. I've been that way as a coach. You never see my face change. You know, win or lose, it looks like I lost every single time. Um, I threw a touchdown. It looks like it was supposed to happen. Um uh, you know, I ran a touchdown. It's supposed to happen. I hand the ball to the ref, and that's just how it was my whole life. You know, uh, if you watch uh, Larry Bird coach the Indiana Pacers when when he was a coach, and they they take Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan in Game Seven, and Reggie Miller hits a game winning three, uh, Larry shows no emotion and walks straight off the court like it was supposed to happen. And that's kind of how I was as a player and a coach. I mean, I just think uh, it's short lived. It's all about what have you done for me lately. That's the profession that it is that we're in. And uh, nobody cares uh, what you did yesterday, and it's all about what you do tomorrow. So, um, you know, you always have to look forward to that and and, then try to figure out other ways to make things happen. So that's just how I was. I never really lived up to – I never really enjoyed or cared about the the accolades or the hype or the stardom and all that stuff. It never really bothered me or affected me. See, that's great. And then when you went to play college, because you weren't recruited Division One, was that a chip? Was there a chip on your shoulder going to D two when you wanted to go D one? Well, actually, I went. I was the, I was a Division One recruit, um, and uh, you know I had a lot of uh, you know I did like I said I'm as JUCO as JUCO gets, but you know I um, I had some bumps in the road and had some hiccups and had to go to the JUCO level because I was a non-qualifier and, uh, and did some foolish things off the field, uh, the product being a product of my environment growing up where I grew up and, um, you know, did some foolish things as a youngster. So it paid, I paid the price, ultimately paid the price and, and couldn't go, um, to the university of Indiana who was recruiting me at the time and, uh, university of Marshall and, uh, a couple of the schools and, and didn't get that chance. I had to go junior college route. And I, I have no, I have zero regrets about it. Um, I wouldn't have become who I was if I did not go junior college. And, and uh, that's just that kind of, that story. So let, looking at when you talk about the whole fact of the matter that you were not the greatest academically at that point in time, you are all, off the field making some bad decisions at time in school and different things like that. Looking at looking back at that, how much do, do you help kids today because of that? Kind of really, uh, de- you know, and, and mentoring them and stuff like that so that they don't make some of the same mistakes you made? 1,000%. <laughs> That's the reason I do what I do. Uh, like I said, I'm as Zuko as Zuko gets. Um, 
you know, I've been uh, I've been drugged through the mud, so to speak, growing up where I am and grew up and um, what I did and, and the stuff that I've seen and people that have raised me and being and, and seeing all that, you know, death, drugs, you name it. Uh, I've seen it and done it and been through it. And, you know, I just want to teach kids and teach others uh, how not to do something. And, you know, the greatest coaching staffs that I've ever been on were the worst staffs because you learn what not to do. And that's what uh, was the biggest thing for me going into being a coach. I was going to teach kids uh, what there was out, what was really out there. And, 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 you know, not to put your future in another man's hands and be the CEO of yourself. And, and every day is an interview. And those are the things that I preach and, and have learned along the way and created my own sort of, uh, you know, motto and mantra and, and uh, type of deal. And, and, you know, that's kind of what drives me to be a mentor and a coach and a motivator. So um, being that as a youngster, you know, that's, that's why who I am today. And see, that's fabulous. And that's again, again, we learn through that process. So what mentors mentored you in college? Cause again, it didn't sound like in the high school you were doing, making the right decisions. Then you had the JUCO. What, who was that mentor that turned you around so that you could go on and play in college? So if it was a JUCO experience or even a division two experience that you finally kind of turned your life around and, and finally uh, took the, the role as a student athlete. Yeah. Um, there's a coach in junior college, man, my, my junior college head coach, who's a guy named Cornell Ward. Um, Cornell Ward was the guy that not only myself, but shoot tons of other kids uh, helped to get, scholarships and, and just get them out of the streets and you know I had a I had a brand new baby girl and I had a daughter um I set out a few years after high school and I didn't go to division one and had a few hiccups in the road and and had to find myself so to speak um he found me uh at, at an actual at a, at, a, at a store of all places and uh he knew who I was from from being a, a recruiter and being a high you know watching obviously high school kids and there's been a, I've been a removed from high school now two three years four years actually four years so I was an older oh, wow. kid yeah um yeah I'm 21 and a half 22 years old now with a daughter um and you know half our team or more than half our team at that time at Compton Community College was 22 23 years old with kids I mean it was a bad, bad you know bad news bears type of deal and uh, we went 0-10 that year, and we lost every game by one point, three points, five oh points. Uh, and it was one of those <laughs> deals. And, and, and Coach Ward had just took over a program that had been um, on a year hiatus. They were actually removed from playing for a year due to a bunch of illegal things. Uh, not to his – he just took the program over. Um, basically, there was a bunch of uh, – you know, misappropriations going on, funding, and all kind of every single level you could think of. And he took over a program and uh, had to start from scratch. And we we hit we took our our bumps and bruises, and and then the next year we ended up going like six and four. And then he ended up taking that team to a couple bowl games and turning it around. He was there a long time, and I ended up later becoming the youngest head coach in junior college history. And, that, and at the time he coached me, he was the youngest head coach, and I ended up being the head coach at Compton College, uh, where I played. And it was just a kind of a full circle deal. And um, he kind of taught me the ropes of, you know, quit feeling sorry, get through it, um, which I already kind of knew growing up where I was growing up, the only white guy in Compton. 
at the time. I grew up in the 80s and Holy cow. The 90s. And, wow. Uh, you know, it was one of those deals, yeah. But, you know, Compton's got a rich, rich traditional uh, history there. My dad played there at Compton College with a guy named Duke Snyder, who was a great Dodger, great. And the uh, the basically the person who has made the NFL what it is today by a guy named Pete Rosell, who was the commissioner. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I got pictures, I got pictures of my dad with all those guys in my grandma's house I grew up in. So, you know, a lot of people came through Compton College. Hugh McElhaney, maybe one of the best NFL running backs ever. Uh, you know, I've had I had Eddie George on my podcast, and that's his hero. And so, um, he played with like my dad as well. Yeah. Um, Eddie's know. Eddie's a great guy. Uh, I interviewed him years ago. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, history out of Compton and. You know, obviously now you know the Venus and Serena Williams of the world. Oh yeah, you know, the, the the actors and actresses that came out of there, but 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 people don't realize how many. Um, you know, you got the Russell Westbrooks, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard's of the world, uh, who've all came out of Compton as well. And you know, it's just uh, um, it's a very uh, traditional hotbed for for athlete, athletes and entertainers, and it's been that way since you know in the inception. So I. So I, you know, I grew up there. I grew up there and in that uh, environment, and it was a, uh, you know, you learn by uh, experience, and I believe this is an experience-based life we live. And you, uh, you eat or be or get eaten. It's a big fish eat little fish world, and you better figure it out. Turn over rocks and and uh, quit feeling sorry for yourself because, like I said, big fish eat little fish. They don't care. Uh, so that just tells, shows me who you are and molding you and understanding who you are, Jason. Again, I interviewed 9, 10, 15 people a week some weeks. This week's like crazy, 15 or 16. So I have to kind of just get the story out, and I'm like, okay, this is awesome story. Now, so you went on, and so you, growing up, you know, JUCO, going on to playing college, the student athlete, did the student athlete happen when you went from JUCO to the two years that you attended the Division II school? Did you really kind of start to not just have the focus on the athletic field, but also the books. I'm gonna tell you a story. I, when I went to Compton College, we uh, Coach Ward taught me some vital lessons, man. And we had him taking over the program that was had a lot of uh, you know bad bad black eyes on the program and had a, basically a black cloud hovering over it. You know, there was a lot of teachers still there that were giving out grades and a lot of different things that were occurring, and so. so I had been I had been the benefit of getting some grades that I probably didn't earn, and I took that to the two year to the four year level, and I would sleep in, miss class, et cetera, et cetera. The things that I did in junior college, which Coach Ward taught me about, you know, being what's called a generational curse because I didn't learn, and I continued to do the same stuff over and over. And what happened was. My mentor grabbed me by the ear one day, came in the house, grabbed me by the ear and out of bed. And that was what I call uh, shock treatment. And that's what I, I use that word to this day. I had to be shock treated into something that, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh shit, I better figure this thing out. And I had all D's after like almost one semester there. And if I didn't get B's and C's, I would have been, I would never even have played a, my, a down there. So I wouldn't even have got through the spring at Forte. So I commend Coach Liker for that, who's a, who's a, who's a, who was my head coach at the time, who's an athletic director at Coffeyville Community College, who ironically I ended up beating a few times when I was at Independence on the show, um, first time in a long time for that school. But um, So it was a bittersweet deal. But at the same time, um, you know, 
he taught me those lessons, valuable lessons. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've used those for other kids. And so, you know, if he didn't care, he wouldn't have did that. And that's just how I, I looked at it. Nowadays, you got these kids that are pretty enabled and think that, you know, you're, you're being an ass with them because you did those things. And no, it's just the truth. And um, trying to get you where you could not get yourself. And so that's what he did with me. And that's what kind of shock treated me and, and made me uh, understand, wake the hell up or, or are you going to go back to Compton and, and be another statistic? So that's what made me uh, figure out my, my life real quick. And so I think the story needs to go less from the professional ranks where you had a cup of coffee to coaching. And the reason is, and also last chance you and your podcast for the short time we have left with you today. And the story I'm seeing from just learning about you, Jason, is that bottom line is you learn so much from these mentors and experiences that you take that with your kids being a coach. So what? how did you get the opportunity to be a head coach? And explain that whole process of what happened. You know, I think in this coaching world, playing world, I think anything student athlete, pro athlete, I think everyone pro coach, college division one coach. I think we all have what's called the it factor. If you either have it, or you don't. Um, I think I had that as a young coach. And I said, when I started wanting to coach, my first job ever was a freshman head coach. That was my first job at my alma mater in high school. And I was like, well, shoot. And I felt that I didn't feel it was too big for me at all. And uh, I had a kid on that team named Orlando Sandrick, plays in the NFL. I think he played, still played last year. He'd been in the league about 10 years. Um, and uh, I had this kid, and I said, okay, now I know what it is to have some talent. He was only a sophomore. Um, I was like, I can do this. And I ended up, I ended up, you know, uh, you know, I yearned for it for a long, long time. And I said, I'm just what I want to do. And so I, uh, I was thrown, you know, kind of to the wolves, so to speak, as a, as a first job and uh, took that. And I said, you know what? I want to climb the ladder. I know I could do this at the highest level. And, exactly. Uh, from there, I just kind of got the next job and started. I went into the college ranks year two right away. I went to junior college and I was an old coordinator. And then a couple of years later, I became a junior college head coach and then I've been a junior college head coach three different places, a couple of high school head coaching jobs. So I've been head coach five or six times at various places, and um, it just is what I think I was put here to do. Your experience knowing that you were going to be part of Last Chance You, what was your thought process when you'd have to be filmed more than a real life, seeing some of the things behind the scenes? What were your feelings about that? Um, you know, I didn't have a lot of feelings about the cameras. I didn't care about the cameras when they wanted to come. They interviewed me for a couple of days and just observed me really. And I wasn't going to change. I was myself. I guess that's why they chose to come. But at the same time, um, the microphone is what worried me in the back of my head, not the, not the cameras, because I know how I am and what message has to be, um, told to get my kids where they could not get themselves and that's the definition of coaching and what a coach does and especially with the kids that I was going to recruit that I knew I was going after and to recruit and I knew the kids I was going to get I knew that I had to be who I am and it's just so everybody's clear I'm no different than I've ever been and every coach every kid that's played for me every coach has coached with me uh, when the show came out they were just like responding as normal they were like yeah that's JV that's coach Brown so what? That's him. You know, it wasn't like they were in shock. It was all the 
the blue hair, older folks that didn't, uh, that, you know, dropped their jaw when they heard me cussing at a young African-American kid or something oh, because yeah. they don't know my mm-hmm. story. They don't know my backstory. They don't know my upbringing and they have no clue. And, 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 and what still amazes me to this day is how grown folks can judge another person without ever meeting or knowing them. Um, blows my mind. That's just like me telling you how to do this interview when I have no clue how to do interviews. That's not what I do. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm used to doing, uh, taking the questions, not giving them. So it's, it's <laughs> yeah. asinine for me to go tell you how to do your job. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's just what <laughs> that's people, true. you know, I call them these keyboard cowards. They get on the computer and they start typing about you and they know no clue about you. And that's what I face more than anything off the show. And, you know, I really truly don't care about that at all because I, I owe you or anyone else any explanation or anything other than uh, the only person or people I owed is those kids that I brought to play for me that I promised their parents I'd get them a degree and uh, get them a scholarship. And I did that at a higher level, a more successful level um, than anyone in, the, in junior college history. So three years, 101 Division One scholarships, highest GPA among junior college football playing teams and the highest graduation rate in the country. So, you know, you can say what you want to say, but uh, this is a results-oriented business, and there's no gray area. You graduate the kid or you don't, you win or you lose, and you uh, you get a kid a scholarship or you don't. And that's just what we live in. We don't get more victory points. So, um yeah, it's great. People can say what they want, but yeah, that's it, just the truth. You you get ratings, right? You yeah, get ratings, yeah, or you I do, don't. I, I mean, exactly. You, or you grow and you don't. You don't. You continue to pr- bring great programming and learn and evolve, or you don't. Like my social media following is gigantic, and then I grow in other ways and I have to learn. So you can't just stay stagnant in life. You have to constantly look to grow and develop. And so that's a great point. When you say telling people what to do. I've done six thousand plus interviews with people in 10 years that's not mm-hmm. that's a pretty impressive shows Six thousand in this industry mm-hmm. and seeing the growth and everyone doing podcasting like yourself that's a great segue uh what is your feeling mm-hmm. about doing your own podcast what and and the the top the name of it that's what i want to get from the article real quick the the name of the show now did you come up with that for the name for the podcast Oh, yeah. Well, I, I've kind of got that word kind of trademarked, so to speak. I've been using it forever. I, I didn't invent the word. Coaches have been calling each other that or, or calling kids that for 100 years. I just, I guess, used it in a way that was a little more polarizing, apparently. So, um, you know, I've got my own attire, uh, my own whiskey coming out, uh, and then obviously the Slapdick Podcast. So I've, I've got it all, all those names. I've got all those. Um, I've used that name for everything I'm doing because I think everyone looks and familiarizes themselves with me and that and that word. So I said, you know what? Let me just do it. And and the podcasting part of it was just um, when I created Slap Big Podcast. I said, you know what? I'm just going to talk about real life things and uh, real real situations, and it's not necessarily anything. I'm not going to be reporting the news like Stephen A. Smith or nothing. I'm not news breaking. <laughs> I'm just sitting there talking about exactly. everyday life and you know uh i, I you know i i didn't know I, i'm getting it going now as we uh, kind of a little better because i was i was a guy that turned it down for so many for basically two years people were approaching me with these contracts to do podcasts and i was like i'm not interested right um i'd rather just answer questions i don't want to do it unless i knew i was going to be good at it and i was like well 
and I still, I'm not good at it. I'm just trying to get this thing going and figure it out. And it's a process. Definitely. Yeah. It's a process. And so I've talked to everybody, Pat Maxey, Michael Rapsport, everybody I'm close with and people that, you know, Theo Vaughn and all these big guys that do all this stuff. And they've all tried to get me to do it. And I was like, eh, I'm not interested. I'll come on your shows. And, um, Finally, I said, you know, I'm not doing nothing. I'm doing a book tour and um, doing these other things, speaking engagements. And I said, you know what? I'm not coaching right now. Uh, I'll do the podcast from the house. I just bought a house out here back home in California. And I said, you know what? I'll do it. I'll set up a room. I got a nice little area, like a studio for it. And so we just got that going. And now we're going to transition and kind of up the ante a little bit and step it up and be more myself on the show and, and see what happens. Hey man, I'll tell you, it's a love of mine and it's great that, and I finally figured out how to make money after 10 years, meaning it's come and it's grown and, and I figured out it's my brand. And I mean, celebrities, I work with NBC on a regular mm-hmm. basis. I don't know if you Googled me or something, but Braun, I love Braun and I love working with him, but writing for podcast magazines is, is, is a joy to feature people yeah. and, and give them an opportunity and that platform What we're trying to grow to really talk about behind the microphone, what truly who you are, uh, Jason. And like I said, sure. and I didn't get, I didn't get to watch last chance you. Well, all right now I'm watching tiger King. You're probably laughing your butt off. I just brought that up. I'm a huge fan of this. It's so <laughs> funny. See, I'm a former professional wrestler. So this was, I was like, man, okay. maybe I should have gotten that business. Maybe I should have a bunch of tigers. You've not watched tiger King yet. Jason, you have to. I'm telling you. I, I've watched a few episodes, man, and uh, I'm I'm watching it as we speak. We're watching it little by little. So, um, <laughs> you know, I've seen everything. Trust me. I know it's huge. and uh, I, I'm watching it little by little. I, but I, I had before that I was uh, uh, binge watching Ozark and oh, my gosh, season three was better than two and one. If you not watched Ozark, you got to. I know. Oh, I'm on. I'm on three right now. I'm on about six episode of three. Oh, it will blow you away the ending, and I won't spoil it for you, man. But it's awesome. So, I, I as the entertainer interviewing celebrities, all those different things, it's fantastic. People, again, Braun is a the man. Again, you can find it at the Believe Podcast Network. So, best place we can find information on slapdicks, which I never thought I'd ever say in my life as a career in radio, uh, and and all that stuff. Where can we find info? Yeah, I got a tire apparel store, Coach JB, uh, CoachJBStore.com. So CoachJBStore.com. You can get any gear plus my my book, which is called Hate Me Now, Love Me Later, six week bestseller, number one bestseller. And then you got a, uh, I mean, like I said, my podcast, my podcast, um, Slap Big Podcast, and you can get a. Uh, I'll be having a whiskey come out too. But my social media is the real Coach underscore JB on both uh, Instagram and Twitter. And then uh, you can also follow me on YouTube um, and Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And I'm on those th- those aspects doing those uh, Zoom clinics right now as everybody else. Oh, doing, my gosh. I feel uh, for you, the, man. The pandemic. Yeah, I feel yeah. I feel for everyone. Everyone needs to go online. And it's a it's a process as a digital marketing yep. expert and social media guy. Mm, no I did, and then I'm tutoring a lot of kids because I'm a former teacher myself online where oh, I was. Okay. So I'm tr- that's expanding that business. But it's this uncertainty, yeah. man. 
We're all stuck in our houses yep, and we'll see where, where it goes. Yep. Like, are we going to have a nationwide yep. lockdown before you know it? Or are we on, we're almost at the end. Right. We'll have to find out for sure. But you have a great story, man. And uh, I appreciate you coming on. And it's, it's, it's an honor to learn about your story. And uh, I'll have to catch up with you on, uh, on Netflix. That'll be the next thing after Tiger King to watch the whole Last Chance You stuff and uh, see your, especially your episodes and stuff. But I appreciate, man, you coming by. Best no of doubt. luck in everything. And uh, let's stay in touch. And I'll, have to reach out to you and see some of your topics and guests. And if you ever want me to help you find some, I can. And I know Braun's great at it. I appreciate it. I have celebrities. If you know, I have contacts and you seem like you'll be a natural at this. So thanks again for calling, man. No doubt. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks Jason. All right. That was Uh, the, again, the, you're listening to Neil Haley show. And we'll be back in just a moment.